0: John, do you have any, I mean, you've been covering this, this sport for nearly 50 years. And I saw your tweet last night that you had never seen anything like the scene we saw in Cincinnati on Monday night.
1: And Sean, it it wasn't just because of him having cardiac arrest. I've seen players get paralyzed Mm -hmm. and uh, never play again. Hopefully Hamill will be able to come back and play. A soccer player was a hockey player was able to, and, uh, when they the the hockey player took a puck in the heart and then he collapsed and so um if you've got to have a heart attack or cardiac arrest you can't be in the hospital then an NFL game's got to be the next best place because they have a situation like this accounted for at every stadium they go over with them it's kind of like an emergency response team those guys were out there in 30 seconds and um at some point when he recovers, hopefully, and, and, uh, and he's able to resume a normal life then we'll find out who those first responders were Mm -hmm. because they did an incredible job under so much pressure, you know, game on national TV with players for both teams, standing around sellout crowd, everybody crying and hugging. And, and yet they had to save his life. They had to, they had to give him CPR and then they had to use a defibrillator to shock his heart back in. And uh, I just think those people did an incredible job. And his family put out a statement talking about that, thanking yeah. everybody who been uh, who who was uh, participated in helping his son get where he is today. And I thought about Chuck Hughes. I was a senior in high school. And Lions receiver Chuck Hughes, the only player in NFL history to die on the field, Mm -hmm. he died of a heart attack. He was a backup receiver. Uh, He was going back to the huddle, and he collapsed. And back then, they had called for a doctor out of the stands to come down, and they pounded on his chest to try to get it back. And today, they have such state-of-the-art of of everything you could need for any kind of injury. Uh, Hopefully, uh, he's going to be a very, very – lucky young man. And when he comes out of it and wonders what happened and his family tells him, well, you know, that the, the uh, charity thing you did mm. for toys for $2,500, it's up to like, maybe by then it'll be 10 million right now. It's approaching 5 million. And, uh but I felt terrible for the teams. Now everybody wants to know, okay, well, what happens next? It was such a big game, important for both of those teams, important for the Chiefs, had to do with home field advantage and the buy in AFC. What the best thing they can do, Sean, is they have the bye week before the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And they don't need two weeks. They start putting a bye week in so they can promote the Super Bowl and build up the hype. There have been times when they haven't had the bye week. Coaches and players would like to just get moving. So what I think is keep everything – the way it is this weekend, push the playoffs back a week, and then let the Bengals and the Bills, they would know what they were playing for, but still let them play on what would be the first week of the bye week, and then you start the wild card one extra week, and there's no open date between the Super Bowl and the championship games.
0: Hmm. That's interesting because you're you're moving a lot of stuff with 30 – well, I guess not with 30 other teams, I guess with 14 other teams. Given the or twelve other teams um, in the uh, in the postseason, um, that's interesting. I I don't want to get too far down the weeds of what it means to the playoffs, just because we're less than twenty four hours from the kid collapsing on the field, Damar Hamlin. I do wonder um, if I I do wonder if all of a sudden that's almost like a disadvantage to be the number one seed at that point, given that it'll have been three calendar weeks. In between football games, you know, two actual weekends off, but you know, literally like twenty or twenty-one days in between football games for those teams. It's almost like a bowl game.
1: <laughs> well, they've never they've never dealt with this kind of situation before. Yeah, and uh, and the bowl game, it certainly didn't hurt some of those teams that have been off for a month. You know, it didn't hurt Bryce Young, did it?
0: No, no, but they're both, but both teams are off, you know, like you have one team coming in off of a game. I don't know. I'm just, I'm totally speculating. Like you said, it's a, it's an unprecedented situation. So I I mean, if you had to, if you had to handicap it, do you think you, you you sound pretty positive this game is going to get played at some point.
1: Because it means so much. It sounds callous to say this, but it's a fact. It has to do with home-field advantage and a buy-in AFC. If Cincinnati was leading 7-3 to over the Bills, if Cincinnati wins the game and the Chiefs beat the Raiders, the road to the Super Bowl goes through Arrowhead again. If Buffalo wins the last two or could win one, and if if the Chiefs lost at the Raiders, but I don't think anybody's going to count on that, then uh, Buffalo would get the home-field advantage, and Cincinnati is not out. Of the running, it's a long shot for home field advantage, but uh, it, it's an important game involving so many teams, so many fans, and I do believe they will find a way to play it. If they didn't play it, they could count it as a tie, yep. which means it wouldn't count in the standings, which would still affect home field advantage in the bye.
0: The, just to be clear, John, I don't, I don't know if I misheard you or not, but you said the Chiefs need to
1: lose for Buffalo to get – Home f- to get the number one seed is that what you said? If Buffalo wins, yep. Buffalo if Buffalo loses, Cincinnati wins yep. the last game. I think against New England. Yep. They could get home field advantage if the Chiefs lost. If
0: New the Chiefs game. lose, okay, I got you. Yeah, no, I was I I misheard you because yeah, because the Bills the Bills have the tiebreaker over the Chiefs from that Week Six game. I was at that game. Um, the 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 Buffalo Kansas City game, which. Which right now, if they end up not playing this Buffalo and Cincinnati game, essentially it's like that game in week six never happened. <laughs> you know, if they if they just say, Well, we're gonna roll with the standings and you know, Buffalo finishes thirteen and three and the Chiefs finish fourteen and three, and that's just how it's gonna be. But you you seem to think that there's a good chance there will be a week of NFL football where there's just one game on the schedule, probably the most watched game of the year, if it's that if that's the case. Um, Buffalo and Cincinnati, and do they just pick it up where they left off at 7-3 to three with six minutes to go in the first quarter?
1: Yeah, I can't imagine they would start it over. They yeah. know exactly where they were. They know what the situation was. They want to play that game because it means so much to multiple teams. It's not like it didn't mean anything or it just meant something to them, and it would be an easy thing to do uh, to just eliminate that bye week, which hmm. they've done before. And uh then you'd have to decide, okay, do you want it wouldn't be fair to move all of the games from the last weekend back a week. That'd affect everybody. Yeah. It's better to just affect the two teams. And they would get they would have uh extra time off to get ready for it. And we've seen um uh, tragedies, and we've seen players players have um uh, when I see player player get paralyzed, I mm. remember I saw one with the Oilers. I've seen two involving Texans games. And you see players get paralyzed and you're like, oh my God. You know, because you put yourself in that situation. It's hard to put yourself into a Hamlin's situation because he had cardiac arrest yeah, and hopefully yeah. the key thing about that uh, according to what i read is blood to the brain they're doing everything they can to make sure that he has the brain the blood flow to his brain that he needs hopefully he'll be like uh, some other athletes who've had cardiac arrest and they were able to make a full recovery
0: Yeah, well, they I guess they administered CPR for nine minutes before they got his pulse back, um, which according to some medical professionals who were texting our show today, at least we're trusting that they're not faking it on the text page, but multiples said that the nine minutes is, is on the shorter side of the amount of time that you would need to feel good about the chances that he got enough oxygen during the episode. Um, so, yeah, hopefully it sounds like John – Everything that as far as the news we could be getting about him in this situation, the news feels like that it's it's skewing more towards the good side than the bad side with that they were restored his vitals. Um, They got a pulse back. Um, You know, the family, certainly that the any of the communication coming from the family has felt positive, at least that they I guess that they waited for his mom to get to the ambulance in the stadium was actually a good sign that they felt they had things under control. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: And and
1: he also has the, the, he's in a trauma center, mm-hmm. and uh, that's even better. So he's getting the best possible medical care. And that they said it was like it'd be like going from NRG Stadium over to the medical center. University okay. of Cincinnati Medical Center was two minutes yep. from the stadium. So all those things are, you hope, are working to his advantage.
0: Okay. So a few things, and then we'll get to the mailbag. Um, and if you want to email questions in in the future, HOU mailbag at gmail.com. Um, I, a couple things, John. You mentioned his charity. You're right. It's I just checked it before you and I started recording, and it was at nearly 4.3 million dollars, and it was at 3.2 million when Seth and I started our show this morning in, in the six o'clock hour. So he's already added over a million dollars. I mean, this thing's going. It lo- this thing looks like the debt ticker in Times Square. You know, it's just <laughs> it's just going up and up and up and up. You're right. Someone if the first thing they show him. Is his if the first thing they're holding in front of him when he comes to is a laptop open to that page? He's gonna wonder how many years he was he was out for. You know, like it's because it's the it, John. It's the craziest looking thing. Have you been to his GoFundMe page with the numbers on there?
1: No, I saw Andy Dalton It contributed three after what the Bills fans did for his yep. charity a few years ago.
0: He it's it's the craziest thing because you. I mean, you've been to a GoFundMe page before, obviously. Yep. It it tells you. It tells you how, where they're at with their accumulation of funds against a goal of dot, dot, dot. And, and his, I don't know if you knew this, his initial goal when he created this foundation, he created it when he was in college at Pitt to raise money to buy toys for the kids at his mom's daycare center. I mean, it's that specific <laughs> an endeavor, you know, like it's very specific. It's something that it's something really cool that a college kid that goes to a, you know, that goes to Pitt would be doing, you know, like I'm going to raise $2,000 for my mom's daycare center. And he just kept it open once he became a professional football player. And I don't know how much money it's accumulated through the years. I do know that last night when I first learned of it, it was at like $400,000. And so it's, it's added, you know, it's, it's added nearly 4 million, um, since, since then. But it just looks so funny, John, on the page. It's the GoFundMe page. <laughs> you know, you got this number. Uh, money raised four four million three hundred $4,314,682 against a goal of $2,500. <laughs> you
1: know, I thought it was great that people put that out there. The first one I saw do it was Tony Grossi from Cleveland. Yeah. And then others. I, I knew nothing about it. And, you know, 99.9% of the people knew nothing about it. And I think it's great that they put it out there. And when he wakes up and he can function and he looks like looks at it, I'm guessing he's going to think, well, at least something good came of this. Well, so and, and,
0: and and yeah, sorry, John, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Right. I, I I I almost think the magnitude of the numbers. Ugh, I mean, you're not going to buy four million dollars worth of toys for a daycare center in Pitt. My guess is that there's going to be some sort of uh, either the American Heart Association or some heart-related charity is about to get a huge donation. That's a great
1: idea. And you know yeah. it's going to keep going up.
0: Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the other thing, John, is ESPN. What did you think of ESPN's coverage and treatment of the topic last night?
1: Under the circumstances, sports writers, it's not like they brought in Robin Roberts and people from ABC. You know, they went to the studio with Susie Colbert, Adam Schefter, and Booker McFarlane. And I thought – they Under the circumstances, everybody did a tremendous job. They're not prepared for that. That's not what they're all about. And then when they went to Scott Van Pelt, you know, he's the best. Yeah. He was perfect. Ryan Clark did a tremendous job. I thought under the circumstances, the ESPN people did a tremendous job.
0: I've really felt for Susie Culber, Booger McFarland, and Adam Schefter because at least Buck and Aikman were in the stadium where there were things they could describe or talk about or reports they were getting from Lisa Salters. I, people have no idea how hard it is to fill time sometimes when you're doing these things. And especially on a topic that's as sensitive and emotional as this. And I'm watching Booger and Schefter and Susie Colbert, And once you get two minutes into that, what else is there to say? <laughs> you know, like what? how many different times can you say we're praying for the young man? We hope it all turns out well. Boy, how can these players go back out on the field? I thought Booger's emotion was a big um, that that was pretty riveting. Um, I thought, uh, but I, John, I'm just thinking like <laughs> I feel like a total wuss now. I remember the uh, a week ago when the Titans delayed the game by an hour. And we had to extend the pregame show Texans countdown (laughs) and Seth and I are in the break. We're like, man, okay. We're going to talk about this. We got to fill some time here. We need a Lovey Smith recorded interview. And I'm watching these guys last night on a national audience with millions of people watching with a, with a subject matter that's a million times more sensitive than the weather affecting the field and the electric blackouts in Nashville. You know, it's just people don't realize I think, or maybe they do, but just how hard, this, particularly the studio show. Like they had nothing to work with other than what they were seeing on the telecast. And I'm with you. I like Van Pelt. I don't know if he's ever won an Emmy before he's one of the best, but I don't know what the submission process is for that. I would submit the, uh, the hour of sports center that he and Ryan Clark did commercial free an hour before they were even supposed to go on the air. I mean, they they picked up the slack at like nine 15 Houston time they don't usually go to Sports Center until the game's over, which is like ten thirty. And it's not like they went to them early and they said, "All right, let's look at the NBA highlights for tonight." They went to them early and they're talking about a player who might have died on the field. For all we knew last night.
1: One of the good things when they came on, they had time to get guests, and they had time to learn more about it. And uh, but there's so many people were praying, saying prayers on Twitter, and today same thing, people, people. Uh it just it seems to be the magnitude is blowing up. And it's not just in the it, not just in the US. I think that they said people from out, out of the country now, they got up in Europe and they're like, What? What happened? And this has reached extends beyond our borders.
0: Yep. All right. So um a lot to still there's gonna be a lot to unpack. That I, my guess is when we record our preview for the Colts and the Texans tomorrow, there'll be even more DeMar Hamlin news to talk about I would guess and maybe we'll know at that point what the league intends to do. Do you think the league is waiting for some sort of news, some sort of finite news about the player about Demar Hamlin John before they determine what their next course of action is?
1: Yes, I think. And and based on the thing I read today is from a cardiologist, this is going to be a slow process about okay. his recovery and he's not out of the woods. I think when, they not, when they're when they told by the trauma specialist of Cincinnati he's out of the woods, that's when they can announce what they're going to do as far as playing.
0: I think the last thing on this, John, you mentioned the first responders. The best place to recognize them would be at the Super Bowl, I think. You know, they do that sometimes. They do
1: that. You're right. That would be outstanding.
0: Halftime of the Super Bowl, especially Buffalo's in it, and DeMar Hamlin survives this. I mean, it's, it's – um, it's a uh, it's a fascinating story, and hopefully it's got a, a, a good ending to it. Uh, all right, John, let's get into some mailbag questions on some much lighter topics than than that. We're not going to get to all these because we spent so much time talking about Demar Hamlin, but that it's it, it is the topic might be the topic of the season um, so far.